0: and welcome back to the cinema slayers podcast once again it is me the bearded one the fox news of the podcasting world because i am so incredibly fair and balanced sterling and i'm joined today by justin the man who wishes to one day be a cast man like i am
1: hey cine fans how's it going your favorite resident pro wrestler whenever i'm not hoisting people up in the air and suplexing them on a canvas i'm reviewing and watching movies so how's everybody doing
0: And then we have the girl whose claim to fame is binge-watching B-rated horror films for an entire weekend, Heather.
2: Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again.
0: And today, our guest from Rebel Without a Crew and director of Grandma's House, we have Bonnie Kathleen Ryan.
3: Hi, guys. Very excited to be here on the Cinema Slayers podcast. Thanks for joining us.
0: Now I feel all official because she said the name of it right in the intro. I like that. I'm gonna right? make all our guests do that. <laughs> yeah, that was on. nice.
2: She was a guest of the year. Yeah, that,
0: that sets a new standard for everybody to follow.
1: <laughs> yes, it does.
0: <laughs> all right, so we're gonna jump right into it with our three questions segment that we do start these off with. So, BK, I need to know what your three favorite movies and TV shows are.
3: Okay, um, my three favorite movies are <clears throat> number one, without a doubt, Casablanca. I think it's the best movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Number two, two thousand and one, a space odyssey.
1: Ah, another classic.
3: Number three, the Wizard of Oz. So top three favorite movies, uh, two thousand and one, space Oz- odyssey, and a Wizard of Oz could probably like you know it's 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 hard. I don't I don't have a an order, um, but Casablanca definitely number one. Um, favorite TV shows? I feel like that it just uh, it depends on my mood and the moment. Um, I'm really excited about The Affair, um, Old School X-Files. Um, nice. And oh god, what is it? Um, I'm forgetting the name.
0: Because I'm put on the spot here.
3: Let's
2: go, let's go with Black Mirror. Excellent choices.
0: I, I'm down for all three of those. Uh, I love Dominic West and Joshua Jackson, so you can always sign me up for the affair. I love that <laughs> show.
3: I just like the acting and the, um, the perspective. I like how they're playing with uh, different people's versions of reality. That's something that's always fascinated me. I mean, I think that's a through line in all of the shows um, and things that I
0: like. Yeah, I mean that, that that theme also does play into the X Files and Black Mirror too. Like that,
3: exactly. Like, what is reality and who's reality? All right. Oh, the Twilight Zone. That's what I was trying to come up with.
2: <laughs> the original Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah,
3: the original. Yeah.
0: It, it all fits in the realm with that too. All right. So our second one, as far as like movies go, what's your biggest guilty pleasure? Like, what is something you know is bad, but you love it anyway?
2: <laughs> Tombstone. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I also love that you had no trouble knowing what that answer was either. Like, you <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that was the it fastest is
2: anybody has so ever. Bad. With it, all it these standards, so you're sitting. Wow, that's great. <laughs>
3: and and if we're gonna go really really deep into guilty pleasure, um, national treasure. Oh yes.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> She said really deep, though, guys. It's fine. It's fine.
0: Well, the third part of this, though, is now why are they your guilty pleasures?
3: Why? Oh, man. What do you mean why? <laughs> is this the third question? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it's the third question because it's all based on The Walking Dead. When like Rick is trying to get new people into the group, he asks them, how many zombies have you killed? How many people have you killed? And then he asks them why.
3: Ah. Uh why is tombstone my guilty pleasure
0: actually i'm more curious about national treasure
1: (laughs) me too me too that's the one i really want to hear about
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean because nicholas cage is a hoot yeah i mean he that's unfortunately one of his like more enjoyable movies in my opinion but yeah (laughs)
3: But I feel—I mean, like I think—I think that's a—that's a, like a deeper dive uh, into the guilty <laughs> pleasure. What is more authentic is Tombstone. Like I own it. My dog's name is Doc Holiday. Like it actually is like a very guilty pleasure. I watch it pretty regularly, and I know it's terrible.
0: <laughs> I mean, but it's got—it's got very memorable performances in it, though. It's got.
3: It only has one memorable performance. All of the rest are terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like Kurt Russell?
3: <laughs> no. He's <It's> so bad. <laughs> I'm a
0: huge I'm a huge Kurt Russell fan though. Like, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like anytime I see him and I'm just like, "Oh, that's nice. It's nice. He's that's Kurt nice. Russell.
3: It's heartwarming." Mm-hmm. It feels like home and childhood, and it cannot, right. It's not. It's not good.
0: <laughs> I'll say Kevin Costner does that character better, but I, I still like the ensemble, you know, ness of Tombstone.
3: Thanks. Thank you. <laughs>
2: We approve of your (laughs) guilty
3: pleasure. It's okay. Excellent.
0: If you can just kind of give us like a a synopsis or a summary of, uh, of grandma's house for people that haven't gotten to see it. And they're just listening to this for now.
3: Sure. Uh, grandma's house is a narrative feature. Uh, it's a two hander, uh, A young woman, Julie, takes a room in a old Gothic Victorian house with a sweet uh, older lady. And when it turns out that uh, this woman has some old-fashioned rules that Julie has to follow, things take a very dark turn. That's it. (laughs) Okay.
2: All right. I can get on board with that as the resident, you know, movie horror movie lover so yeah
0: well i, I like how you you've taken it upon yourself to to make yourself the the resident horror movie lover <laughs> yes we all like horror films they just have you know we don't like bad ones
2: yeah i just like to watch them in general like all the time so you like the good the bad the ugly <laughs> there we go see yes
0: one thing I like about your movie, especially like and it's something I was worried about when we were getting into these movies before we like really started watching them and stuff, is I was kind of worried about like with the budget constraints and the time constraints that we knew were a part of it, like how good was anything actually gonna be and
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's concerning. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you.
0: <laughs> I have taken uh, a lot of online flack for a movie review I did of a low budget horror film. And uh, yeah, a lot of people didn't like my my take on it. Um, but I mean, for me, like with it, it was a <laughs> low budget horror film. And I felt like with all the constraints and everything it had within itself, I still didn't feel like it told a story. Like, I can forgive all kinds of production stuff as long as ultimately I see that there's a story within the, you know, in the film itself. And that's one thing that I've really loved about watching your guys' films is that you guys are still telling a story. Like, that seems like that's something that people focused on, that you still made sure that, you know, with whatever constraints you had when it came to filming or something like that, you, you guys were still telling a story with everything and yeah. that's something i really do appreciate that you guys did
3: yeah that's true i mean i i mean i don't know what what other people are doing but that's the only thing i'm trying to do mm-hmm. tell a story as a, i'm in like that as my life like whether it's a, a painting or a poem or a film or you know acting or directing, like i'm trying to convey a story that seems like the thing we're after yeah human stories That's true.
1: Definitely. And uh, speaking of your film and the story and everything, I really appreciated the the actors and the actresses, especially in this. I felt like they were just very good at conveying whatever emotions that you needed them to convey at the certain at certain points in the film and especially at the beginning like without really trying to ruin it or for anybody who hasn't seen it yet but when when these two characters are having these conversations and she's talking to the sweet old lady you can almost because the acting was done so well you can almost feel that maybe there was something uh, there was more to this woman like even though she's being nice even though these um, everything Everything seems harmless you could almost feel that there was something more to her and that's really a credit to the actresses that you chose so i just wanted to commend you on thank that. thank you so much
3: yeah I, you know i got so lucky um i i can't i can't really take credit uh for their performances because they just were so committed and so amazing um they really worked are harder than i could have dreamed um i'm so grateful for what they what they brought to the table
2: yeah and to kind of go off of that too just um to also tie in rebel without a crew um one of the first episodes was you guys choosing your cast members for your movies so when you came across these especially these two who are the leads are they who you imagined that you would want in the role did they kind of bring something different that you liked that you hadn't thought of before or what was what were you thinking on those lines when you were casting them when i um When I gave the casting breakdown, initially, ahead of
3: time, before we ever came to Austin, we had to tell Beth Sepko, Robert Rodriguez's casting director, what we wanted for the role. And Mm. um, particularly for Grandma, I told her that I needed Kathy Bates, but I knew I wasn't going to get Kathy
1: Bates, but (laughs) that was my dream
3: can can I have Kathy Bates? That's fair. That would um, be
1: a good role for her. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes, definitely. I could totally see that.
3: Yeah. I mean, so it's like, you know, a millennial misery, a younger, like two women, but essentially like a similar concept to misery. And, um, and when Kathy read, uh, the woman who I ended up casting as grandma, I went to, I went home, you know, back to the cast house that night. And I was, thinking about all the actors that I'd seen that day. And I closed my eyes and her eyes were burning in my brain. Like I could just see her crisp blue eyes. And I was like, that's the one, Mm. you know, she's so inherently captivating. Like, I'm getting the Kathy Bates type like this is exactly what I want yeah awesome
0: not to be like you know mean or anything I'm not gonna lie when I was watching the show I was actually kind of worried about how like she would portray that character like um like some of the things like what I saw I was like I was kind of worried I'm like oh I don't think that's selling the character but I really did when I watched the film itself though that woman did an amazing job of yeah. switching from sweet to menacing like sometimes on a dime
3: it's really hard i I mean I think that's that's one thing that happens when you're you have the documentary crew capturing every single thing that happens and they're putting that on tv and then there's also a movie getting made because I think you realize like oh there's so much that happens and then the filmmaker takes everything and cuts it together to to actually tell the story I don't know so I, I guess maybe in some ways it's good that that's seen if that makes sense
0: it was one of those things that like I was just expecting one thing and I just really appreciated that I was getting something that I was not expecting based on that. (laughs) I mean, it kind of gives me like a better appreciation whenever like, like whenever you hear things, especially like these big, like budget Hollywood films that you constantly hear that they're going in for reshoots or something like that. And, you know, most of the time you hear that like they try to make that sound like it's going to be a negative thing when sometimes like with everything that's going on and with everything that's filming, ultimately, like the film at the end is what matters. So, you know, you you can kind of take it either way. And, you know, it just kind of showed me that you can't always like take these like little bits and pieces that you see. You have to just wait till you can see the whole thing to really kind of. Absolutely. To judge it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Makes me a little nervous. <laughs> well, it's interesting because like, I, I think that the, the acting, like we said, was really, really good in this. And I, something that I noticed in, in the show is a couple of times where you were saying, you know, you only wanted to do one or two takes for all the scenes. Mm-hmm. So it just, right. it's surprising a little bit that like in, just the one or two scenes that you sh- had to shoot for or yeah one or two takes you shot for each scene that they did so well um with that restriction on them you know like and i'm just i'm curious so is there were you thinking that it would just move faster with the time that you had if you only had a couple of takes or you know is that why you wanted to set that or oh i mean i had a 93 page
3: script and <laughs> um we had 14 days to shoot and i based my schedule on 12 hour shoot days mm. but because of the documentary nature of it we were actually getting about 7 hour shoot days mm-hmm. so it was going to be fundamentally impossible to finish the script. So I was just trying to race, trying to race through it so that we could get everything we could possibly get so that I could edit the movie together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely not what I wanted to do. I was just like, Oh my God, just like, do it. Just say the lines. Go, go, go.
2: <laughs> it worked though. And maybe that like motivation is what made them do it so well. <laughs> the time that they had because they were like, well, we only get two takes. We got to go all out, you know, so it worked really well.
3: I mean, they were so committed. Um, that was I mean, it, I, I definitely don't think that's ideal. I don't think that's the way to do it. I don't think that's the best way to get your performances out of actors. <laughs> but um, but Kathy and Rochelle would stay up until three o'clock in the morning, the night before memorizing their lines. They would be you know, in between takes, running their lines. Um, we, would, we would do sort of like creative things like one of my favorite scenes in the movie, I'm not on Kathy. I'm just on Julie. And so she's just reading her lines. Um, so it was just like problem solving. Yeah. But they were so committed to doing those roles is the reason I got the, those performances.
1: That's awesome. And to uh, piggyback off of what you were talking about with uh, producing the film with the camera crew and everything like that. Talk about <laughs> talk about some of those difficulties doing that, trying to shoot the film. I mean,
2: you definitely had some. <laughs>
1: (laughs) With with the camera crew there, and I'm sure, uh, are they stopping you guys like during films at different times to get your thoughts on something or, oh, that looks frustrating. Let's interview you about how you felt about that experience. Like, I'm pretty sure that had to be difficult. So could you elaborate on some of that?
3: Absolutely. I mean, for me, the most difficult thing is I'm seeing in pictures and the way that I work is to, you know, put the actors in the space and I want to see them rehearse. I have an idea. I have blocking. I have, you know, I have a plan set up, but I also want to do one rehearsal where the actors are moving around the space, doing their own thing. Because a lot of times in that moment of rehearsal and collaboration, I discover things, they discover things that are better than I planned.
1: Um, Solid
3: point. And that's how I've done all of my films. But with two additional cameras and an additional crew there during that rehearsal time the cameras would be in the lines of sight in the space in the way and so it was impossible to set up shots it was impossible to see what the frame would look like before we started shooting a lot of times they were in the frame even while I was shooting um, so it was just this incredible challenge of trying to watch the actors do the scene while there's a bunch of other people floating around in the middle of the scene and I'm trying to imagine imagine what it looks like when they're not there but you're telling a story in pictures and so like trying to use the brain power of i'm watching the scene i'm trying to imagine you're not in the scene and see what that would look like and be creative and i haven't had any sleep and we don't have enough time and the pressure is really high and i'm on tv like that was that was challenging
1: <laughs> my I goodness i can imagine that <laughs> wow yeah. and especially for a film like this because I mean, I, because I'm—I was when I was watching your film, I'm sitting there going, "Man, the, the, they're in such tight spaces." Like, because a lot of the film yeah. takes place in this home, and a lot of the conflict occurs <laughs> in that home. So just, so just—I mean—and I, I'm thinking, "Man, there's another crew around here." And I mean, you got some incredible shots to be under so much pressure. So another uh, compliment for you there, especially. Oh gosh,
3: I mean, it's like it of stresses me out just to relive thinking about that (laughs) you know be like in this tight tight quarter shooting and I'm looking at my actor and there's another camera looking at me
2: (laughs) "Ah!" it's too much yeah definitely
0: I mean one thing I really loved was like seeing the model house like the way you filmed that shot at the end I was just gonna
2: say that yeah
0: Like, then seeing it in the movie itself, like, that was a really, really great thing that I really loved at that.
3: (laughs) Fun story. Um, When I commissioned to have the model house built, I talked to Brian, the model builder, and he was like, yeah, I can make it for you. It'll be four by four. Um, It'll cost like $400. And I've never worked in um, forced perspective before. And when he said four by four, I thought he meant... 4 inches by 4 inches. Not four feet by four feet. So when I saw this house, I was like, "Oh no, this is gigantic Way more than I expected. Yeah, I don't know what to do with this. Right, I would have I mean, assumed the amazing. same thing. It was a dream yeah. come
2: true. <laughs> That's awesome.
3: Because I was like, four hundred dollars. Like that
2: can build me something I can hold in my hands. That seems right. I'm telling you though, like that was one of the coolest <laughs> shots in that movie though, and you did it yourself, right? Because I was uh, yeah. watching that episode and I was like, I mean, were you concerned? about like what if I don't get this shot right the first time because you only had one model house
3: um I think by that point I was so sleep deprived that I was just like in go mode yeah and I, there was there was there like there was do or don't do there is no try kind of situation I was just <laughs> like I will get everything done it will all happen
2: well you definitely did it, it was such a good shot like that was super impressive yes
3: oh thank you It was really fun. I want to burn things down. (laughs) A new, a new love that you have now from this. Oh no, no,
2: this is this is an old love. Oh, even better.
3: I've also burned down a
2: lot of things. Do you have another movie lined up already? Uh, I have.
3: A couple of years ago, I was a semi-finalist for the Sundance Sloan Commissioning Grant for a feature proposal. And I just, I, I wrote the short version of that. I'd like to shoot that as a um, proof of concept for doing the feature. Wow, that's cool. That's one thing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's all about fire lookouts. I want to burn things down,
0: <laughs> right? So, one question I do have for you that uh, was kind of brought up in the this uh, last episode of Rebel Without a Crew* that I had also kind of seen in your IMDb. Um, when I was going through it, I saw that you were at the *Pitch Perfect* three premiere, and then, <laughs> and then, I mean, I could be getting, but it's Anna Camp, right?
2: Yeah. I was, Uh I was going to, all these questions you're asking, I was totally thinking about too. Yes. No, I was
0: just, I was just curious about that because like, so I saw you there and then she was talking about how, you know, you go way back with her. Like I don't, I was, I was thinking I was formulating a question while I was saying that and then it didn't, it just came out (laughs) like a statement. (laughs) And I don't think I ever I, I really think maybe that how do you know each away. other? Well well, not even that. It was just uh I don't even know. Like it was one of those things, like I was really <laughs> I was curious about it whenever I saw that you were at that premiere and then I got that confirmation. And so I was like gonna ask a question, but then I was answering it myself based on the episode.
2: <laughs> just for those listening, <laughs> he just wanted everyone to know that, you know, they're friends. So <laughs> that's all.
0: Just a statement, no question. That might be what it is i don't know
2: (laughs) we're just name dropping for you bk it's fine it's totally fine no
0: problem i mean because i know bola told us that you know you were a stand-in on true blood and then she was on true blood too
3: yes it's confusing right Well, once again i'm
0: acting like i'm formulating a question i'm still not doing that so i'm gonna let somebody else take over so i can actually create a sentence that i can throw a question mark on
2: well how about this now how do you and Annie camp go way back sure um,
3: Anna and I are best friends from childhood um, no we way. did theater together in high school in Columbia South Carolina um, and so yeah you know we've we've been friends she lived in New York and then I moved to LA <clears throat> we both lived in New York for a little while but she stayed in New York I lived in LA eventually she moved out and we were roommates in LA and um, you know we're we're still very Good friends. Super cool. She's she's the best. That's awesome. Yeah, It is awesome. It's really, really lucky. I mean, I can't, I don't know about for other people, but like <clears throat> moving across the country to make a career in Hollywood is like this big endeavor <laughs> and to have yeah, basically like the closest person to family have lived. We have lived walking distance from each other for the last 10 years, uh, if not in the same apartment, like across yeah. the street from each other or on the same street. And it's, um, yeah, it, it makes it feel like everything's all right in L.A. That's cool. No matter what happens, you have like family, basically.
1: I mean, that has to be really special for you guys. I mean, because I'm pretty sure you can feel like you're on an island at times, especially. Oh, yeah. Trying to direct, trying to um, get gigs, whatever you're working on your own projects, whatever you're trying to do. So I'm pretty sure that that camaraderie came in handy quite a few times. It probably still does, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, it's the best thing because you know, it's up and down. Sometimes things are going well, sometimes things are not going well. Like and to have somebody right there who's, you know, known you forever, you know, known you when you were like unpopular and weird and nobody liked you and like that's true.
2: And to still be friends is pretty awesome. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. So going back to um the show, Rebel Without a Crew, now I I loved the uh, the f- couple of episodes where you guys were doing the post-production and the the editing and everything yourselves. Now, it seems like <laughs> you had a lot of stress during that time. Um, <laughs> and you were <laughs> definitely learning a lot about how to do it all yourself, which I, I'm on that same page with you. I definitely wouldn't have known how to do any of that. So I guess just what was that experience like? Is it something you think you'd want to do yourself again? Or are you like, no way, I want to have other people do this part of it? You know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. No,
3: I mean, actually, Bola and I were talking today. And she was talking about how she just edited the trailer for her short film. And I was saying that. Uh, I just recently applied for the Fox directing program, and in the application process, you have to submit one file that has a feature and a short, and I was like, I submitted my feature, I submitted my short, I put them all in the file, I made Mm. title cards, and I was just like, a year ago, I would have needed an editor to assist me with this, Mm -hmm. and today, it's just like, do it (laughs) myself, and she said the same thing about... (laughs) her trailer and I was just like it's so empowering it feels it feels so good and this forced me to learn an entirely new skill set um so I'm really grateful I I like doing it you know ultimately I'll I'll still collaborate with other people but the fact that like I could do a pass of my own movie before I pass it to an editor that Mm -hmm. that feels like yeah empowering just repeating myself now
2: no, that's good. No, that's really cool. Like that's, it's definitely a, a crash course. And I think, um, Robert Rodriguez said that a couple of times was that it's, they yes. don't teach you in, in film school how to do all this and make a movie by yourself, you know? So it's, right. it, it's just, it was a really interesting process to see. And even just the, the people that were helping you guys out, like I learned a lot from them that it makes you just want to study a little bit more about how films are made and everything. It's, it was a really, Cool thing to see. So I'm sure learning it up oh, close was even so exciting. better. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was harrowing. <laughs> and then you had like a flood or something in your house at the same time. I'm like, what is that? I sure did. All these obstacles in your way. I mean, I
3: mean, it it all worked out. I'm real happy with the movie, but there, <laughs> there were a lot of obstacles. At one point in January, I was living at a hotel, but my computer was still at the apartment. So the entire apartment was flooded. It was uninhabitable. The tours, the the floors were torn up. Like the walls were knocked down. I would sleep at the hotel and then go up the street to my apartment and edit all day long and then leave because I couldn't sleep in the flooded apartment.
2: Right. (laughs) Oh, the life of a filmmaker. (laughs) (laughs) So glamorous. Don't you want to do it? Totally. Yes, (laughs) Yes,
1: <laughs> man, and uh, and and speaking of, uh, you kind of lightly mentioned uh, Robert Rodriguez, and it's just really cool because I-, I remember watching his films and learning about him. And when he would make his films, that was one of the cool things about him is that he was doing a lot of his own editing. He was shooting the film. He was sound editing. Like he just was this person doing all of these different things, and that's really neat. How um, it, f- it feels like with this process, he's teaching you guys how to do that. So that's really, yeah, um, I think, a testament to this show and his format. But about Robert Rodriguez, um, did you have any significant interactions with him that maybe um, weren't on the show or just anything that you, t- any takeaways or anything that you learned from your interactions with him? Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Heather, you mentioned that my post process was uh, difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, like, you know, I I say I, I barely knew Robert during the filming of the show. Um, but during post, I didn't have anywhere to turn. And I ended up, you know, asking Robert for advice and input and opinions. And he was incredible and generous and responsive and he single-handedly guided me through the post process in a like was a true mentor um i'm just like i'm so grateful it Mm -hmm.
2: i would say robert taught me how to edit Hmm. he is very hands-on yeah that's not surprising yeah that's cool
3: he was incredibly generous like I would ask a question and he would, within minutes, write back a really long detailed response at uh, a couple of different points. I sent him scenes. He sent them back and was like, I took the liberty of making some of my own edits. <laughs> That's and then awesome. I was able to study what he did, see the differences. And like through that process, every step of the way, um, he he became like a real, real teacher. It was... um that that was probably the single best thing that has come out of the show is how much I've learned from Robert.
1: Well, that's um, extremely encouraging to hear because I know that with some of these reality shows where you have a celebrity that's either hosting or they're the kind of the center of the reality show. Sometimes you hear horror stories about how they're hardly ever on set or they're mm-hmm. hardly ever there or I didn't really get to interact with them. So... I mean and it seems like everyone we've interviewed so far has had great interactions with him so that's yeah. that's really awesome He's to been hear great.
3: I am. So we screened at South by Southwest and then the movies were actually due May 16th to El Ray. And so, you know, weeks after South by Southwest, I emailed Robert and I was like, I know, like, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm still editing. And I'm thinking about changing the movie pretty drastically in these ways. and He was like, yeah, like, I think that's so cool that you're still editing. Like, what are you thinking? And we ended up having this big exchange where he talked to me about all of the different ways that I might edit the movie. And he was really encouraging. And so, like, it's continued. Even, like, we're done. And he's still, you know, interacting and being supportive.
2: That's that's really cool. So, are you now um, just trying to, you know, uh, get your movie into festivals? Or what's your next step that you're doing now with it? <laughs> Well,
3: uh, I definitely need to start submitting to festivals. I've been, um, you know, working until the last possible minute, um, which, you know, you probably noticed I did that on the show, too. A
2: little bit of the perfectionist (laughs) in you, I'm guessing. Yeah. (laughs)
3: not a good quality don't recommend it um but yeah so like you know the other the other uh filmmakers i think were done a little while ago and have already been submitting but i'm i'm just beginning the festival submission process because i've just i've continued working on the movie
2: that's okay though i think i mean because you're definitely someone and you could tell this from the show too you have a very specific vision of what it is that you want so i think it's cool that you're still like working towards that and um how many different endings and edits and things like that do you have to it? Or is it just kind of it changes every <laughs> oh, <God>. day? <laughs> no, no, it, it's done.
3: It's finally done. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, probably when I stop talking to you guys, I will start submitting Um, it, the version you saw is done. That's awesome.
2: That's a good one. So yeah. I, I think that would Thank be you. good for a <laughs> festival for sure. That's cool. Oh, thanks.
0: I mean, I, I definitely get that because I've, you know, tried writing my, you know, screenplays and treatments myself, you know, in the past. And that's one big, like, hang up I've had is like, I'll be writing and then I'll be like thinking while I'm writing. And I'm like, well, two paragraphs ago, I should change this to this. So like, I, I keep constantly editing myself as I go to the point to where like, I rarely ever finished anything because like, I just would keep going back and rewriting. Like it was really hard for me to get the process of just write it out and then go make my mm-hmm. changes. So like, I, I definitely get right. the attitude of, like, constantly, like, wanting to focus on something, even though, like, you know, like you said, you had already submitted it to Elray and things like that, but you still wanted to work on on the project to, you know, get the best possible version of it done. And, you know, that's something I can really relate to on that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I definitely need to learn how to do it faster. I think that for sure. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I feel like just the whole thing, especially because it was such a crash course and everything was just, it had to have been nonstop, go, go, go. So you, there were probably moments where you were just like, wait, what happened? That got done? Okay. Yeah. You know, like, so you probably like <laughs> going back through and you just, you probably weren't able, I feel like it would have been hard to take it all in because there was so much going on. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I don't think we were forming memories. Which is kind of unfortunate like, because it seems like you guys <laughs> all got along really well. And it was just, they had such, it, it's such potential for, you know, long lasting, <laughs> like friendships in filmmaking in a sense. You know what I mean? So, I mean,
3: I think that's true. I think, I mean, we're all going to be friends uh, forever and ever, but we were not sleeping and just moving at a breakneck pace. I feel like I watched the show and I'm like, Oh, thank God there were cameras following me. Cause I wouldn't have remembered any of this.
2: <laughs> yeah. They're like your memory makers <laughs> for you. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> like, Oh, phew. That's, That's what we did. Great. (laughs) South by Southwest looks like it was fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yep. I mean, so when we talked to uh, Alejandro, he was talking about, you know, with a lot of that, like, you know, you just having to constantly adapt and things like that. Were there any situations that you came across to where, you know, you really had like when you filmed it or like with something in the script that is there something you had to change and adapt like to incorporate like what was going on with, you know, your shoot schedule and everything like that? Is there any drastic changes you had to make or anything like that?
3: Well, I mean, I think the the most drastic script change was the the final scene, like the standoff between grandma and Julie. Um, in the script, it's, you know, the house is on fire. Um, we can't actually have the house on fire because it's... That's not going to be possible, uh, given the budget. So the house is on fire. They're having a chase through the house. Julie um, topples a wardrobe onto grandma and pins her beneath the wardrobe. Like, at one point, breaks a chair over her back. I mean, it's a pretty, like, aggressive fight. Wow. And, um, and I got to the house, and I was like, okay, no fire, first off. Um, we'll you smoke. And then um, the night that everybody was having the party... I was just brainstorming. I had um, Rochelle over and she was like, so Bonnie, like, do you have a plan for dealing with the wardrobe and the chair and like breaking it over uh, over grandma's back? And I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, a week away, but we do need to figure that out. And we just sat there and I was brainstorming, brainstorming. And um, I'd already on the location scout decided that the elevator was going to function as the wardrobe. So I was like, that'll work. That's you know, pretty cinematic. Um, and it's in the house. So, boom, elevator. But breaking the chair over grandma, I didn't I didn't know what was sort of going to debilitate her. And I ended up, the Wizard of Oz is a big theme. And just, um, she was like, maybe it could be a vase. Maybe it could be a table, you know. And then I realized all of a sudden, no, it should be the tea, um, you know, throw the hot water on her because she's essentially the Wicked Witch. Um, so, that, that was something that had to change because like I didn't have the stunts and I didn't have the breakaway wood and being able to use just cold water, I was able to, you know, have something, a big thing happen that actually didn't hurt anyone or require any stunts.
1: Mm, Yeah. Wow. And that's really a testament to the storytelling because... I mean, you can't really tell that, like, it, the, right. your story just had such a flow to it. It's It wasn't like I could tell that it should have been something different or, not, or it didn't quite fit. I thought that everything kind of oh, fit, yeah. that really fit, <laughs> like, the continuity of the story because... She was uh, really gung-ho about the tea earlier, and then I like how it came back into play. And there were a lot of things that you set up earlier that sort of happened or worked against our grandma at the end. So I think that that's, that was really good continuity, especially with you having to make some changes like that, especially in that time frame. So Yeah, Thank for you. sure.
3: I mean, I... I do think that's one of the things that Robert talks about in the beginning is that like your constraints can work for you. Because if I had had the budget, then I would have built a cage in the attic and I would have had a, you know, a a wardrobe that she could have pushed over and I would have made the breakaway. We We just would have done what was written in the script. And instead I was like, Well, I've got an elevator. That's the cage done, and I can't do these stunts. So, uh, what can I do that's safe that doesn't require stunts? And like, it forced me to be more creative. And I think the elevator and the T is better. I'm happier with that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that was. I would agree with that. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. I know you need my confirmation, so you've got it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it was great. My dad at one point. We're in the theater uh, at South by Southwest and grandma opens Julie's door and you just see her, her red slippers walking across the floor. And he like started cackling out loud. He was like the ruby slippers. I was like, oh, at least dad knows what I'm doing.
2: Right. Yeah. Someone gets like, it. It's fine. Witch. Get
0: it? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, seeing that now going back to it, like after you saying that wizard of Oz was one of your, you know, top three favorite movies, you know, and you saying this now, I'm like, ah, oh, it's so obvious. Like,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Why didn't I see that? <laughs> yeah. It's like the light bulb went off and now you're like, man, we I all should just have feel saw real slow right like, now.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Now um I'm sure there probably no experience will compare with working with Robert Rodriguez at all but are there any other directors that you think would be really awesome to to work with at some point. I mean, directors that I want to work with. Directors don't work with each other usually, so it's, uh, <laughs> or it's a or one weird, that
3: you would like, like to strange. <laughs> position. Right. Yeah, I guess but that's I'm true. Really but... excited about uh, Denny Villeneuve. Um, I think he's really, really exciting. Arrival is one of my favorite movies of recent years.
1: Mm. Oh, that was fantastic! That's a fantastic movie. Really was. Nice.
3: <laughs> yeah. He's, he's really exciting. And then um, I am really excited about, um, give me a second, Jennifer Kent. I'm very excited about Jennifer Kent. Uh, she wrote and directed The Babadook.
1: Also very good. Ah, yes. I Love that movie. Yes. Yes. If you have Netflix, you should watch that. Highly recommend it for our listeners. But I just think,
3: like, um, in terms of like what I want to do, that she is a really big role model. I think I think it's really exciting. She's she's writing stuff that I think is innovative and great for actors and great storytelling and cinematically beautiful, but also you know interesting for audiences. Like that's something that anybody could go watch. Um, Right. Yeah, Jennifer Kent.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that, that she was the one that directed Duke. I mean, <laughs> Duke was one of those weird movies for me where I watched it and I loved it. But I never looked up anybody that did anything in it. And so, like, typically, like, I would. I would go look it up. But for whatever reason, I didn't on that. And so, like, now it, it's good that I know her name because, like, because of how well that movie was made and everything. Like, if I ever see her name on, like, as a directing credit for something else, I'm probably just going to watch it. Like, you know. <laughs> right. Um, same with the other director you named because he also directed. Uh, was it Ex Machina? Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love that movie. And that's one of those movies that I try to get people to watch because everything in that movie, like especially Oscar uh, Oscar Isaac's, like he's just so amazing in that movie, and everything is so well done in that movie that, like, if I ever see his name on a movie, like I'm gonna watch it. Like I do feel bad because yeah. I haven't watched Arrival yet. I, like, as soon as I said that statement, I'm like, well, I haven't uh. watched... Rebel. I did buy it already <laughs> on iTunes. I just haven't watched it. So, he does have my money, at least. I just... Uh, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> I just need to get around to that part of it.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I think, like, effort. cinematically, his, um, like his visual storytelling is really spectacular. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to study...
0: <laughs> well, I mean, in my defense, I just... I watch at least a movie a day. And I mean, sometimes I do repeat movies I've watched before, but like, I just, I watch so much all the time and I buy so much all the time. I just Uh don't always watch things I own. And I'm very bad about that sometimes (laughs) because then it'll be like a day. And I'm like, Oh, I just need to watch the original ghostbusters again. Like I haven't seen that movie a thousand times.
2: (laughs) Right. Totally. That's valid though. I acceptable for ghostbusters all the time. So that's fine.
0: I mean, but I, I do it with it. Like I've got my three movies that I rotate constantly all the time. And it's Ghostbusters, Starship Troopers and the last dragon. Like
3: amazing. I end up watching at least one <laughs> of those trifecta. movies.
0: I end up watching at least one of those movies every week. And. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm stupid with how much like I'm constantly watching stuff like, I mean, without going into too much detail, like I work in telco, like I splice fiber and all that other stuff. And I'm typically watching a movie on my iPad while I'm doing it. So like every day (laughs) I am watching something and I just, that's great. I I do. I wish I could do that. I do with like movies and TV shows, like kind of like what fat people do at buffets. Like (laughs) I'll let, like my eyes get ahead of what I can actually do. So like I'm, I'm Uh constantly buying movies and TV (laughs) for it. And then I'm like, I'm never going to have enough time to watch all this. <laughs> but <Yep>. I try. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, I'm curious. I know you said a lot of, um, it seems like a lot of influence for Grandma's House was Misery. Are there any other like um, elements from other movies that you took into this? Or was it, um, I mean, did you, I'm sure you wanted it to be an original, which it was. But did you take any other... Um, aspects from other things you had seen? So, I mean, it's uh, co-written by uh, my
3: fiancé, Trevor Munson. So the script has its own influences, which Mm -hmm. are, you know, I think Misery is probably um, his biggest influence there. And then for me, um, my filmmaking style is, uh, like, the cinema of this was sort of influenced by Wes Anderson, Mm. Um, I wanted it to be a little quirky and off center and like bright in places, Mm -hmm. um, like a little whimsical, um, in heightened, I guess. So that, Mm -hmm. that was, that was something that, that was a big, um, influence. And then I was looking at Carrie a lot. That was a really, really, really big influence, um. But like De Palma, I I set up the the color scheme was totally inspired by Carrie. I wanted it to start pink and gradually become greener, so that by the time the movie ended, everything was green. Mm. Um, hmm. And the oh, model,
1: okay, um, I
3: see. I I specifically wanted the model to look fake because I was paying homage to Carrie, and I just love how. Um, you know, De Palma makes it something that like the the model house in Carrie is kind of collapsing into itself, and it 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 looks, you know, it you know, it's not real. It's he's not going for realism. Um, and I really liked that. So that hmm. that was a huge influence. Um, and then a lot of Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby. Um, those were big. Um you know things that i was thinking about as i was preparing to shoot and doing my shot lists
1: awesome very cool cool you yeah. know so why this particular story um, to shoot for this where was this the was this something that you had in mind to shoot from the beginning since you entered this contest or did you just finally settle on this one were there some other ideas would you do a different idea if you could do it all over again, or was this the one you had to do for this?
3: Uh, I think, I think grandma's house was the perfect uh, film for the Robert Rodriguez sort of of it all. Uh, I was applying to the program and I had a couple of different scripts that I was thinking about. I, I wrote a short film um, called three legged dog. And I was thinking about doing a feature version of that, but ultimately I sort of a powwow um, with Trevor and I was talking about, like, what can I do on $7,000? Um, what will challenge me as a filmmaker? What will be attainable? What's marketable? What what sort of fits in the genre? Like, I felt like if I'm going to Austin, if I'm going to be mentored by Robert Rodriguez, it doesn't make sense to take him a period drama. Like, I should take a genre movie because that's I'm going to learn the most from him. I'm going to get the best mentorship out of that. Um, so I specifically chose this you know, contained Mm -hmm. movie that's set in one location in a house. It's still an actor's piece, but it has, you know, it's genre. It has violence. It has action. It has a little bit of gore, like a chance to really stretch myself as a filmmaker and make the most out of Robert's mentorship.
1: Awesome. Well, very, that's probably the most sound strategy I've heard so far as far as everybody's choices. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, not saying that anybody's, well, not saying that anybody's, uh, didn't have a good explanation, but that one was very, um, detailed. And I mean, I can totally see why you chose it. So that was an awesome response.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Felt like, what can I learn the most from and actually finish
2: <laughs> <laughs> now? Um, also to that, are there, are there any, like, really stand out things that you took away from any of the other filmmakers and kind of like um, how they worked or things that they did that you feel like you might want to, you know, do that later in some of your movies or anything like that absolutely i think they're all incredible um
3: i, I was joking that like we're all together the captain planet of filmmaking that <laughs> if if we were to like to combine all of our powers <laughs> that, would that be is a very filmmaker. good analogy i like that <laughs> yes
0: um <laughs> if you guys are the planeteers which one does that make you
2: Right. Ah. That's a good question.
1: (laughs) Good question. You brought this on yourself, BK.
2: I don't don't know. I don't know if it's a direct
3: analogy. (laughs) I'm probably water or fire, one of the two.
2: Oh,
1: you're definitely fire.
2: fire.
1: Yeah, definitely fire. Fire. I was gonna say fire. That was the first thing that popped of my head.
3: I don't know. They're both. They're both like highly present. (laughs) <laughs> present in the movie that's pretty funny um but yeah i mean i think the other filmmakers are really incredible um josh was a huge help to me in post um and an incredible resource like i would call him up and and he would talk me through any technical difficulty that i had and his post process was just like so organized and fluid and efficient mm-hmm. and scarlet's production design is incredible it's out of this world honestly i was a pretty good production designer and i'm like oh no like i need to study (laughs) scarlet um bola's attention to detail organization and like commitment to going big was so inspiring like Mm -hmm. her spaceship and her special effects like she just would I i was in awe of her on a daily basis for what she would set out to do. She just like she raised just the bar for so yeah. high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She really did. She really did. And and I think that taught me a lot. And Alejandro's like demeanor on set. I, I didn't get I to totally see, see it see that. while we were shooting, but I was like, you know, like there's something to the way he operates a set. I was like, I want to, I want to copy that. I want to emulate it because it does like make everything that he think like, yeah, yeah, you've got this. Yeah, um, I could definitely so see I that, think, you know, everybody, um, everybody was really inspiring.
0: So was there a moment while you were making the movie or, you know, filming the 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 show that like after the, the show aired that you like wish they had shown that they didn't? Oh, that's a good question. If
3: only I could remember shooting the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because like a lot of time, like, I mean, they do strategically cut some things to like add some drama and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But I was just like wondering if you were like watching the show and like, Oh, I wish they had shown this one part It was like, that was a really rock star moment. And I just wish they had shown that.
3: I mean, I think in general, I wish they would have seen, shown, um, some of the scenes, like directing the scenes and like you guys, the audience getting to see them executed. Well, I feel like it was really just like highlights of, Oh, this is smoking. Oh, someone fell. Um, but that's, you know, that's not filmmaking. What it is is, like, when you dig in and you find the <clears throat> the heart of a scene and two characters are connecting and, like, magic happens. And I think that happens in the movie. But if you only watch the show, I don't know if the audience will ever realize that, like, some really good, honest, exciting, compelling, mm-hmm. you know, moments happened between two actors.
2: Yeah, I actually, something I really loved is in the... Um, the the latest episode here where you guys are all watching each other's films and I thought that was a really Mm. cool thing to do and just showing that support and it was really cool to just kind of see the genuine reactions of everybody's faces when they were watching. Like, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe this happened. And like there were, I think there was one moment where you and Bola like jumped at somebody's, I think it might have been Josh's (laughs) movie and I was like, those are genuine reactions and it's super cool to see that like All these filmmakers, they gave off the reactions that they wanted to. That's got to be so fulfilling, you know? It was pretty awesome. (laughs) Probably like a lot of relief with it too, but more just like, I did that. I totally did that.
3: (laughs) I mean, it was amazing that we got to be filmed while watching each other's movies. Because like, Mm -hmm. you know, we wouldn't have known otherwise how people were responding.
2: Right. It's really cool. That's true.
1: So out of this um, entire process, what do you think is different about you? Like, what? how does the uh, new BK compare to the old BK after this process? Like, ad- how do you feel? <laughs> do you feel stronger? Do you feel better? I mean, w- what's going to be different now that you've gone through this entire ordeal and come out on the other side? I think I feel a lot more empowered um, to just sort of
3: do it. Like <clears throat> before this, I never would have been like, yeah, yeah, just give me the camera. This is the shot. <laughs> um, and now I feel, you know, I feel really comfortable with the equipment, with the editing. Um, now, even now, like when I'm doing new things or working on new projects, I'll just be like, I'm sure there's, you know, some kid on YouTube that I can look up that I'll teach me how to do this. Um, so I, I, I feel like, there's not the barrier to entry that I felt like there was like, Mm. I used to think like, I need a certain amount of money and I need the right team. And now I'm like, if I want to film something, I can just over a weekend film something.
1: Right. So it sounds like you really just gained a lot of confidence, especially just the confidence and the, I guess, courage to, like you said, take those chances and actually take a few more risks. Do you feel like that's easier now?
3: I do. I mean, I remember when I was interviewing for the show <clears throat> and there was this really decisive moment where the casting director <clears throat> was like, you know, you're going to have to shoot your own movie, direct your own movie, operate the camera, edit your own movie. Do you feel confident that you can do all of those things just like Robert Rodriguez? And like on the inside, I thought, no, are you crazy? <laughs>
2: no one can do that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. and then, I was like, what would a dude say? And I was like, a guy would be like, yes, and I'll figure it out. And I was like, I'm just going to experiment with saying yes confidently and then like scrambling to figure it out. And that's what I did. So I told her, I was like, yes, definitely. I can do all of those things. And then I was like, Google, how do I edit? Um, and I like went over to the Canon store in Burbank and was like, I have to shoot a movie. Can you teach me how to use this camera? And got a a tutorial at the Canon store. That's hilarious. And I think like that was the defining moment where I was like, what if I just say yes and then figure it out instead of being prepared Mm. first?
2: Probably the best quick decision you ever made
3: (laughs) to do it that way. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but like that, that moment. Have, it feels like it changed everything.
2: Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that's cool. Cause I feel like it's fine. Like I'm,
3: I'm real happy with the movie, you know, it, it was really hard and I did have a learning curve and like, you can see it on TV that there's a lot, but like I'm learning how to do all of these things. But, um, but in the end, you know,
2: we all have movies. And I feel like the a hard part of it would be, you know, everybody being their own worst critic You know, especially if you are a perfectionist Mm -hmm. in a sense of like not being happy with him, being like, oh, that's not what I wanted. And I know that there were a few times that you were sort of unsure (laughs) of like, oh, I don't know if this is what I want to turn in for this. But like, it was just cool at the end to see that you were like, this is exactly what I wanted it to be, you know, and that also just kind of a self-fulfillment thing instead of just, oh, everybody else liked it. That's good. But you were like, no, I liked it. I'm glad. I'm so proud of what I did which is just a different type of, like, feeling of accomplishment, you know? Yeah. No, I definitely
3: think that this movie is not for
2: everyone. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be people who are like, I do not like this movie.
3: But I couldn't be more proud. Like, it's exactly what I wanted to make.
2: But they'll definitely be talking about it, that's for sure. <laughs> In a good way, if they see it, yeah.
0: That's a good. That's a good way to look at it, too, because... Like I, I did mention earlier, I, I, have had some disagreements with people of movies I reviewed, uh, with the same thing. Uh-huh. And like, I mean, they were they were lashing out Imagine on me about that. it. I, like that I was attacking them personally, and I'm like, I don't even know you, dude. Like, yeah, I, I, I know nothing about you. But like in the end, I'm like, if you're proud of your movie, then who gives a fuck what I'm saying? Like, I don't fucking matter. Exactly. Like, <laughs> if you like your well, movie, no, that's I great. Mean, you
3: matter. You matter. The audience matters. I'm not saying the audience doesn't matter. <laughs> no,
0: no, but I'm just, I'm saying me personally. Like if 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 one person out of like a hundred people don't like your movie, that still means you're doing something good. That still means 99 people liked it. One person didn't. It can it could you could chalk that up to it not being their cup of tea and. But, like, that's a really, mm-hmm. like...
3: <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
0: and, but that's, that's like, a really healthy way to look at it. Like, you know, you realize you're proud of it and, you know, you you're you like the fact that pe- other people do like it and things like that, you know, but you're realizing that, you know, you might have someone out there that doesn't like it and that's not the oh, end yeah, of the I world. Oh, yeah, I think
3: I'm going to have a lot of people who this is not for. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: But I feel like something like I want to say maybe it was Sterling that had in before said something about like, you know, you'd rather have a like a negative reaction than no reaction at all about how you felt about the movie. You know, so as long as it's, you know, giving some kind of emotion to you, it's better than just saying, oh, it's just a movie that I don't care about, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think that there's something to be said for that, especially because, you know, movie is art and movie it's not, you know, people, they do have their own cups of tea, you know, but if you're giving any kind of a reaction at all, that's, that's saying something for your storytelling or your directing or your filmmaking or your acting, you know,
3: my, my friend posted something earlier this week and she said, art is supposed to make, um, Oh, what is it? Disturbed people comfortable and comfortable people disturbed. Hmm. And I was like, that's what I do. (laughs) That's really good. Wow. I like that. I was like, there it is. (laughs) That's grandma's house. (laughs) I mean, that's all my stuff. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. Comfort the disturbed, disturb the comfortable.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a really good um, quote. And I mean, I think that with any kind of artist, you're always walking that fine line between, well, was I proud of my work? Was I proud of what I put out there? Versus, okay, if people didn't like it, how much of it should I listen to and take criticism from so I Mm -hmm. can learn from it? Versus, how much of it should I ignore and just be proud of what I made because it was my vision? And I mean, I totally go through that, even though I know it's not. Even though it's wrestling is far and away, not this, but you know, in, in a lot of the ways it's the same. You get in the ring and you're trying to tell this story or convey this struggle between these two people in front of a crowd. And sometimes the way people interpret it is different from what you were trying to put out there. Or maybe you put out the you put something out there and you're like, Man, I'm really proud of the way that went. But then you hear later, well. What about this, this, and that, and this? And it's true. There's, You're always, I guess, walking that tightrope, but you never wanted to, I guess, hinder you from growing. You never want to be afraid mm-hmm. to do things. Yeah. You never want to be right. fearful to put your best foot forward. So I think as long as you can do that, take the good with the bad, but continue to grow as a filmmaker, I'm sure that you will be okay and you'll be able to absorb whatever. Criticism may come your way, positive or negative.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But anyway,
0: my two cents. First of all, like, was doing this, was this like your first time going to Texas?
3: No, no. I've gone to Texas uh, a couple of times. Uh, My sister lives in Austin, and um, and my boyfriend's from Austin, so we've gone there a bunch of times. Uh, I was actually at South by Southwest um, in 2011 with a film that I acted in. So I've been to South by a
0: couple of times. That, that's really just a setup for my next question. How <laughs> many times did you eat Whataburger?
3: <laughs> oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, Probably the best that question that of the day. It was like, <laughs> our, um, like our sponsor um, food. I feel like we were mascots for Whataburger while we were shooting the movie. <laughs> As you should be, <laughs> so, yes. So like countless. I think there are like or, or like moments where I would be sitting at like two o'clock in the morning with like a giant waterburger, tea, <laughs> and fries in front of the the computer, and they would Excellent. come in and like stealthily try to put tape over my waterburger so that they could
2: film it.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I, I I just ask because you know I I did used to live in Texas. I was born and raised there, and I you know since moved to the Chicagoland area. I don't miss much about Texas, but I do miss Whataburger. Like that is the one (laughs) big thing that like kills. Yeah, you're
3: making me hungry right now. Thanks. Me too.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Little midnight snack. There's not a Whataburger for miles around.
0: Oh, I feel I I feel that pain. I mean, it's been I think three years since I last had it, and I mean, before I left Texas, like I at, at a certain point, I'm eating it for three or four meals a week. Like, I mean. If oh, not, that can't be good. Oh, it was the most amazing thing ever.
2: <laughs> or is it amazing? <laughs>
0: like I mean, I love I love Whataburger so much. The next tattoo I get will be the Whataburger logo. Um, <laughs> and so I just, I, I have to ask the, you know, you guys that, you know, because I know you're not from Texas. So I know like going to Texas, you know, it's just, it's a different thing down there. And I just, I just have to ask because I'm constantly curious about people eating it since I can't.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> I think my favorite uh was Dan's hamburgers. <laughs> hmm. I don't
2: actually know what that is. Oh,
0: yeah, that I don't I've never heard of it. <laughs> That's probably a local Austin thing then.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say mm. probably. It was pretty great. And P. Terry
3: is super good.
0: I know I know Alejandra was talking to us about the barbecue uh after the South by Southwest stuff.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, the the eating was
2: good in Texas. <laughs> That does sound about right. Yeah.
1: Um, so is there a movie that you've seen uh, recently, like something that's come out in the past year, if you've had time, that you liked? Or, or is there one that you're looking forward um, to seeing that's coming out, something you got your eye on?
3: You guys, I have been in a movie hole for the last nine months <laughs> and I feel like all I've done is work on my own movie and I haven't seen anything and I'm ashamed <laughs> and sad. Shame um, face. But, but I did, um, I took a break in April, I think right before I finished the movie and Anna and I went to go see Casablanca, uh, in 35 millimeter in Ooh. LA. And so that, that was a very special experience. But,
2: That's but pretty cool.
3: I'm like, I, literally today oh, my dad was awesome. like and then the shape of water which won best picture and i was like really <laughs>
2: <laughs> it did <laughs> what
3: i was like i uh, i gotta catch up with 2018
2: i don't know what's going on <laughs> hmm well then you definitely have a lot like we could totally give Got you a, a list, of, list of really good ones yeah
3: <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> I have screeners, so so I'm probably like dive into a hole for the next couple of weeks.
1: <laughs> but hey, that's a good thing. Too busy to watch them, making your own. Hey, that's good. Yeah, it's yeah, a good problem. it <laughs> to be busy. It's a on good problem. On the night of
3: the Oscars, my dad called me and he was like, "Are you watching the Oscars?" I said, "No, I'm editing my own movie, Dad. I can't talk."
2: <laughs> <laughs> did you hang up on him? Because that's kind of funny. If you did. Kind of. (laughs) Super really into your work. What can you say? Um Uh, I my question would be, so of the movies you have seen, like, is there any movie that stands out as like you wish that you or you would have a chance to do it your way? I am very jealous of everything that
3: Britt Marling has made, and I wish that I had come up with and made those movies. (laughs) Um, so I think that's a big big one like I'm constantly like how can I make my own version of another earth like what is my grounded sci-fi that is you know super clever and
2: you know moving okay so you're a big sci-fi person
3: yeah yeah I guess I am
2: (laughs) another movie idea you need to think of a good sci-fi one I bet you got a few things up your sleeve (laughs) <laughs> gotta constantly be coming up with the next movie <laughs> that's yep that's probably true
0: <laughs> i know one thing that we've we've asked some of these other directors is is there a movie or a franchise or something uh, like that that if you got the opportunity to like reboot or like remake or to do a sequel to or anything like that like what would be that for you
3: Reboot franchise
2: sequel alien <laughs> nice good call good what choice was that newest alien Man. movie
3: it was alien can i can i, can I have something. sigourney weaver though like
2: <laughs> i want to still have her yeah totally
0: <laughs> well i did not think she's aged in the last like 20 years so i think it's right still work. yeah
3: no
2: she's perfect yeah it'll be it, fine
0: it,
3: it'll work anytime
0: yeah. i see her now she still looks like she did an alien 4 so i'm like no that'd be fine she could do it
2: <laughs> yeah She does
0: not age. That is true.
3: She's so beautiful and perfect and wonderful and inspiring.
2: (laughs) What's that now? (laughs) I will not disagree with you. Don't mind me. (laughs) (laughs) Just girl crushing over there. That's fine. At least it's Sigourney Weaver. Could do a lot worse. That's for sure. (laughs) I know. She's the best. (laughs) (laughs) What was the latest alien movie? I forget what it's called is it don't don't worry about it yeah yeah it's not even worth it kind of thing (laughs) that's what i keep hearing but
0: (laughs) i i mean nothing against uh ridley scott but he kind of needs to stop making alien movies and they need to do (laughs) what they were talking about and uh neil blomkopf was in talks to do another alien or to do one of the newer alien movies. And I think that'd be a delightful thing because, uh, he was actually going to have Sigourney Weaver in his too. So if they just stopped kind of making the movie, Scott Woods and did his version of it. That'd be kind of
2: cool.
0: I would be into that. I think they were going to do one of those things where they kind of erase, uh, alien three and four from Canon and just kind of go. That
3: needs to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) His, his, his movie was going to be based right after, like, not right after two, but, you know, like a few years, like a few decades after two type of situation.
3: No. I, I think that's the way to handle
2: it. I
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: concur. Totally agree.
2: <laughs> it's kind of, so this reminds me, BK, are you caught up on Stranger Things? Have you watched that yet? I am. Okay. What are your thoughts on that I love show? Stranger
3: Things. Isn't it amazing? I mean, oh, it's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. I love it. Netflix is uh, setting things on fire. It's really They're, exciting. They're like,
2: stepping up their game a lot in the past few years. Yeah. yeah. That show's yeah, very I'm, creative. and fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Netflix is destroying my soul. <laughs> <laughs> because Netflix and Hulu made me think that I need to binge watch every TV show ever. And so Uh I can't. It it is very hard for me to now watch shows in like a regular wait a week order. At this point, I'm I I very (laughs) much sit back on shows now. I'll be like, oh, I want to watch a show, and I'll let the entire season run, and then I'll just binge it all in three days because I can't handle Mm -hmm. waiting a week anymore. Like it's there's very few shows that that I can do that with now. Like I mean, I did that with the this what last season eleven with the X Files. I was. Mm -hmm. I was still such a diehard X-Files fan that I'm like, no, I can wait a week because I just needed it so (laughs) much. Like at that point, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for the whole season air. I need it now. And then (laughs) like like, Game of Thrones, I can do that with. But everything else, like I really like Westworld, but I'm like, no, I don't like waiting a week. I'm just like, I stopped watching it. I'm going to let the season finish and I'm just going to binge watch 10 hours.
3: I think that's a better way to go because I was really frustrated. I'm on the East Coast right now. And so I missed the East Coast showing of Westworld on Sunday night. And I've just like been trying to get it. I was like, why can't I get it on demand right now? I want it.
0: Well, I mean, I do know HBO <laughs> Go does it. The the exact minute it airs on HBO, it's available on HBO Go. That is something HBO has done with that. So in the future, that might be it's something pretty smart. that help
3: Next time. <laughs> yeah. Next time I'm in that
0: position. If it airs at eight, it's on at eight on HBO Go. Because they do that because of Game of Thrones. Because they know some people are only watching it on HBO Go or HBO Now that they have it available the second it's airing on their channel. HBO is really good about that. Good to know.
2: <laughs> yeah. When you get caught up on all your movies, then you can get caught up on all these shows Right oh. in that way. Yes. <laughs> <I'm> so behind. <laughs> so much research. <laughs> Now you can binge everything, though.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the other thing. Like, all right, what are your feelings about like things like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, like them doing like their own TV shows and their own movies now? Like, do you think we're going to get to like a breaking point as far as content goes? Or do you think that it's like a new renaissance for content? Like, I know TV has really stepped up its game lately compared to like the way it used to be
3: very excited about what's happening in television um I have read uh that there's a theory that uh, it's a bubble kind of like real estate and so we're in the heyday of that bubble and it it won't continue like this um, but for a while it's happening I'm enjoying it and want to mm-hmm. direct it
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: like hey guys let me in <laughs>
0: well, what I, what I love about TV nowadays is the fact that like You know, like when I was growing up, you would either have actors leave TV shows because they're like, I want to focus on movies now. Or if you wanted to see an actor that was like on the downside of their career and they just need money, you'd be like, oh, look at this old movie actor that's now on TV shows. And now that's (laughs) not the case. Yeah.
3: Now you're getting the best of the best.
0: Yeah. Like now with the way they're doing TV shows that like a really good actor that's like, you know, known for movies and stuff like that has no problem. Going and doing 10 episodes of a TV show, which I personally think is the greatest length for a TV series, like for a season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These, like this revolution of 10 episode seasons has just completely changed my life.
3: (laughs) I uh, was watching Billions, this most recent episode, and actively thought, this is the best acting that is happening right now. This particular season, this arc, these characters, it was really exciting. And I was like,
0: mm-hmm. that's,
3: that's TV acting. And I think it's the best acting I'm seeing. Wow.
0: It's one of those things like, right, you look at like Steve Carell, who, you know, was on the daily show and did the office for years and things like that. And, you know, he's been nominated for an Academy award now and things like that. Like it, you, you used to never get things like that. And it really is a magical time. Like I really don't see it being a bubble mm-hmm. just because it's giving everybody like everybody's finding what they want. You know, like I might not want to watch this show on Hulu, but s- somebody else might love that show. And so like everybody's now able to just find these shows that otherwise would have not never been made or, you know, never been found like something like stranger things, like stranger things yeah. wouldn't have been made like right. when we were growing up. And like now, like that's, it's speaking to a generation, but then like, if another generation doesn't watch it, that's kind of fine because they're still making content for them. Like the, it's not like the, the old model of, oh, this is, you know, NBC, we have to make a show that people from 18 to 65 are going to like, you can really narrow in on demographics now. And that's, that's okay. And I, I think that's
1: really helped out with some things.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It's definitely exciting.
1: And I also think uh, just to kind of add on to that, uh, I I believe that social media also helps that a lot, too, because now you just feel like because I just remember growing up, if you didn't see something or didn't hear about something or miss something, you just missed it. Like, it was just Mm kind of like, oh, did you see it? No, I didn't. Okay, whatever. Well, let me go talk to somebody who did but, you know, you kind of really didn't get a sense of how good or how epic something was or how much you needed to catch up on a show or whatever the case may be. I just never felt like I had a real sense of it. But now with social media, I mean, if something epic happens on a show, you will know because you will just see
3: mm-hmm.
1: Nothing, mm-hmm. On your, on, nothing on your on on nothing news feed but something about this show or when you see something highly anticipated or previews are just so easily accessible now and like anticipation seems to be built easier because you just have so much access to everything so I just feel like that's also helped too and that's why we're just seeing this almost I can't call it the golden age but like you said kind of like this renaissance period because now all these things are so easily accessible to us whereas before you know, if you didn't have cable, you just couldn't access certain things. But now,
2: yeah, I mean,
1: true. you don't even really need cable and you can pretty much watch any- anything. So, right. That's exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think about it like, like back when we were growing up in like the 90s and stuff like that. Like if something like Game of Thrones had came out in the 90s, like the show would have died a long time ago. Because, like, Game of Thrones was not that big when it first started airing. It was that mm-hmm. word of mouth after that first season that, like, really kind of made that show explode. And, like, if it, that happened in the 90s, there was no way for you to go back and watch a first season. Like, right. very rarely would things yeah. end up on, like, tape or DVD. Until like the Mm. second season was aired. And so like nowadays, like, you know, all these shows are just so like with social media, like you're able to find out about shows or you're able to go back and watch something if you miss it or something like that. Because like I lucked out with the X-Files because I just happened to accidentally be watching Fox when the pilot aired. And like Mm. that changed my life. And
2: (laughs) so you saw it from the beginning. That's crazy.
0: Like I just happened to be watching Fox. And, like, you know, I was a little white boy in the 90s, so, like, aliens, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm all about that. (laughs) And so, like, I just accidentally watched the pilot, and I was hooked from that point on. And if that happened, if I had missed that, I would have never known about the X-Files until, like, maybe a few years later. Or, like, would have Mm -hmm. heard about it and been like, oh, man, I have no idea what's going on, though, because I missed, you know, like, these first four episodes. And, like, nowadays, like, I'm not one to, like you know, to be like, oh, well, kids have it easier nowadays. Like we all have it easier nowadays when it comes to all this stuff. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like I have, I have, you know, like my big ass iPad pro and I love it. Cause like I've got, I've got cellular data on it. So like I can be anywhere and I can watch something. I can pull up Netflix or Hulu or any of the hundreds of movies or TV shows I have on my iTunes account and I can watch something anywhere I am. And that's probably the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me in my life.
1: <laughs> yes. And I guess for filmmakers and people who are producing content and things like that, it just seems like the arena is just more wide open. Now, Think more things are being as accepted now. So even if you have something for a niche audience or if you have something that's a little different, there's probably the the chances of you being able to get it out there to get it in front of some eyes it just seems a lot greater than it would be back then yeah. for sure. So
3: No. I definitely think that's true. You're right about that. Like there might be five people who like want to see a movie about unicorns, but because of the internet you'll be able to find them.
1: <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Um,
2: side note, BK, if you haven't seen it, which you probably haven't because it came out in the past year, <laughs> um, I recommend the first thing you watch is A Quiet Place because that movie's amazing and I oh, think you'd I like it. I actually have seen that. Oh, you did? Did you love it?
3: <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. So there, there are a few, a few things that I have seen. Um, I like it. I like it. Um, I'm very, I'm a tough audience for for the horror movies, mm-hmm. so I, I like it. It was, it was admirable. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. It's right up your alley. I feel like with like the horror and the sci-fi yeah. and the, you know what I mean. So felt like that was no, be it totally is. I mean, one.
3: I think I think those are the ones. Like, if I wish I had made it myself, then I'm more critical.
2: Ah, uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> that's
0: fair. I wish sure
2: I thought of that. Oh. <laughs> And I would have done this instead, or this,
0: yeah. That's something you have seen. Like, uh, have you seen anything, like any of the trailers or anything for the movie uh, *Hereditary*?
3: Not yet. No, I haven't seen anything about that. Well,
0: I, oh, I, please su- look at the I would trailer. I suggest watching the trailer for that one. It actually comes out this weekend. Okay. And it's an A24 movie, so it's like the same people. That- <gasps> oh, exactly.
3: I love them. So
0: it's 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 an A24 movie, and it's got Tony Collette in it. And it's supposed to be the scariest movie since the exorcist.
3: I will definitely be going to see that this weekend. Thank you for the yeah, tip. Right. It, it looks amazing.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm truly excited about the movie. Like I'm really excited about this movie, uh, hotel Artemis that's coming out. Cause it's just right up my okay. alley of movies, but like, I'm probably going to skip it this weekend just cause hereditary comes out this weekend. And like, it's a, it's an A 20 double feature. It's mm. oh, I wish I could. Um, but like for me, it's it's an A twenty four movie, which that's really up there with like one of those studios, and I'm like, okay, A twenty four is making it, I'll, I'll I'll watch that movie, and yeah, I'll watch anything they make. And it's it's got Tony Collette in it, and it's like it's weird because it's like a horror movie, and then like in the festivals and things like that, and like people that have screened it, they're like they're talking about how they feel like it's an Oscar performance from her. So like I think mm, that's, that's amazing. Really cool that's that really exciting. You're getting a genre movie. That's getting that type of reaction to it. Like, I'm super stoked about this movie. But, yeah, I'd suggest as soon as you're done, we're done with this recording, you should just, like, check out, like, <laughs> the, the trailers for Hereditary.
3: I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that because I don't watch trailers before I see a movie. Really? But I trust you. Okay.
2: Huh. That's interesting. Is it you just don't want it, anything to be given away? Is that why you don't do that? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's okay. admirable because I definitely love trailers.
3: <laughs> I love trailers just to consume them. So, mm-hmm. like, if I've already seen the movie or if it's not a movie I'm excited about. But, like, if I know that there's some people involved in a movie and I want to see it, I will avoid the trailers because I don't want them to give
2: anything away. Well, at least now you know your plans this weekend. So, you're set. Yeah.
3: <laughs> done all you have to say is uh oscar-winning performance by tony collette and 24 i mean i will see it this weekend
2: tony collette is brilliant so i'm excited for this yeah, yeah.
0: It, it, it's funny because like you and me actually kind of have the opposite way of viewing things with some stuff like i'm one of those people that i kind of welcome spoilers before i see things like i did i really went, i yeah i went and look. i i found out spoilers before uh avengers infinity war which apparently was just terrible of me to do i mean i was fine with it it didn't bother me but apparently other people were mad at me for doing it um i mean it's like spoilers don't bother me like because i can find out something but i still sometimes don't have context and so i still like to see the journey i still like how it's put together you know i still like seeing all that aspect of it like spoilers don't phase me at all like there are very few things that like if somebody were to tell me spoilers for, I'd be bothered by like, if somebody like if George R. R. Martin came up to me right now and told me every single thing that was going to happen in this final season of game of Thrones, I'd be completely fine with it. It would not faze me. I would still watch every single episode probably more (laughs) than once. And I'd be completely okay with it. I'm just, I'm super weird like that.
3: It's not so much spoilers as like, I want the purity of the cinematic experience like, I want to mm. go into it with the, the the like, the filmmaker guiding me through knowing the moments and feeling the feelings at the exact moment that they're intended. And, like, if I've seen all of these images, then I feel like I have lost that, you know, totally new novelty um, of getting to go on the journey.
1: Mm. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, and I I totally agree with that. And I'm one of those people who he was um, subtly fingering, uh, uh, pointing the finger at, pointing the the finger at that was mad at him. But I totally agree with you. I just think that when it comes to a movie, especially a movie that's trying to build suspense and trying to take you on a journey and you're not and they and they're doing certain things based on the fact that you have no knowledge of where it's going. So if you already know where it's going, I just feel like you can't, you can't truly appreciate certain scenes and certain things for, like you said, for the purity of what it's supposed to be. I just think it's impossible if you know, but
0: eh, that's just me. All right, the way I look at it is, is if I'm taking a trip, say I'm going to take a road trip to Florida, I know where my end destination is. That doesn't mean I still can't enjoy you know everything that happens but you know in that journey i still know my end destination mm-hmm. i'm still fine with it like i still you know just because i know where i'm going to end doesn't mean i i can't enjoy how i get to that end
1: yeah but also somebody could turn around and say what if you didn't know what if you were just put in a car and then you were like where are we going and then they said well you'll find out when we get there so what what's going to be more fun you know, D. Is it better the situation
0: to, you just described as a kidnapping? So I'm going to assume the trip I'm taking <laughs> willingly is going to be more fun than a kidnapping.
1: No, this is somebody you trust. Obviously, I didn't say you were put in cuffs or <laughs> tied. I just said somebody friend of yours gets you in a car. So you know, some people enjoy that more. Sometimes it's the not knowing that makes the experience worth. And I get that.
0: Cause I'm not one of those people that when I get spoilers, I'm just going to ruin something for someone else. I'll only tell other people if they want to know, you know, cause I have had that I've, I've known spoilers and some people have asked me to, you know, tell them what they are and I'll, I'll do that. But knowing spoilers, like I'm not going to like go out there and ruin it for somebody else. No, like I understand that people don't like that aspect. I've just, I've grown accustomed to being like having things spoiled for me for the, by the internet. And so I've just slowly adapted to becoming it doesn't bother me. And then sometimes I'll seek them out before someone else can ruin it for me. Mm Hmm. Mm, I see anything you want to plug specifically, like, you know, any social media accounts or, you know, anything like that, or, you know, your movies, anything like that, like anything you want to plug, like this is your chance. Like,
3: Oh yeah, sure. Um, you know, to the cinema slayers fans, if they want to find me, uh, I am Bonnie, Kathleen Ryan on Instagram, and at Bonnie Kathleen1 on Twitter. I'm pretty responsive on Instagram. Mm, so so on Twitter. Um, and then what else is happening? My short is going to air on L Ray at some point, three legged dog, so that's pretty exciting. But otherwise, you know, people can keep in touch. I'll, you know, answer, answer questions and I'm responsive on the social media. Awesome.
0: All right. And so other than that. Uh, Check us out on on Twitter. It's Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, We're Cinema Slayers on Instagram. Uh, Check us out on Facebook. Go to the website, cinemaslayers.com. If you want any of our really awesome merch, you can go to our website. We've got a link to our Threadless store for that. Uh, Any of our podcasts. We've also got the uh, Movie Matchup podcast. So if anybody wants to listen to that, check it out wherever else you're listening to this podcast. It's all the same stuff. Just search you know, Cinema Slayers Movie Matchup podcast. Um, but like review comment anything like that for us guys and other than that good night, let's go